Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Poolside Perspectives podcast. I am Kevin Woodhurst, and with me is my good friend, Mike Farley, and we're so glad you found this podcast. Together, we have been homeowner advocates in outdoor living and the pool industry for over 30 years. So we understand the challenges you face creating your backyard paradise. We know your curiosity is not enough to ensure your success. So on this podcast, we're going to talk about the design process and practical steps to help you create that space. We'll have some fun mixed in with it, some aha moments, and this is no fluff. No one has time for that. So we're going to get serious and get very particular about all of these topics. Whether you are a new homeowner with your first remodel or a seasoned homeowner competing your last dream home, we are here to help you end up with what you dreamed of. From pools to patios, pizza ovens to pergolas, porcelain to pumps, pool party to permits, ping pong tables to the processes to your paradise. This is straight talk and action steps. Let's get started. Hey everybody, Kevin Woodhurst and Mike Farley here. Today we've got a great show. We're going to talk about outdoor kitchens. Both Mike and I are operating remotely because we've had a snow day in the DFW area because it snowed a little bit last night, got a little bit icy and the roads were icy. So we are working from home. Yeah. So in DFW, if it snows an inch, that means everything's shut down. It's like eight feet of snow in Idaho. Yes. Correlation wise. Welcome to North Texas and construction in North Texas, no doubt. Yeah. This is going to be fun because I like cooking. Yes. And the outdoor kitchen is the best place to do it in. I agree. And some of the outdoor kitchens nowadays, they're just insane. Even smaller ones are so much different than they were 10, 15, 20 years ago. Now, these outdoor kitchens have just become these outdoor entertaining areas and room for people to have that secondary kitchen outdoors. And it's pretty awesome for sure. So I really didn't do a whole lot of kitchens before 9-11. Hardly any. Did you do many in Phoenix? We did a lot of just very basic kitchens, which essentially was a barbecue grill, maybe a refrigerator, an ice bucket type cooler recessed down on top of the top, but nothing like what we're seeing nowadays, especially after COVID, because I think COVID also was another milestone. Oh yeah. Everything changed after COVID. And now it's not just a kitchen. We want a kitchen area and a dining area and a living room area too. So let's do it all. Everybody wants to be outside. Yeah. It's a great place to be. So you got fresh air, you got friends and family, you got a relaxing setting. It makes for a great space. Everybody enjoys being in that space. And so the demand keeps getting higher and higher. But where do you think the best place is to put an outdoor kitchen? I would want the outdoor kitchen someplace where it would be an area where people would congregate. You could see kind of everything that's going on out there. There's a couple different ways to look at it. Sometimes people want their back to the pool area because they've got people sitting up at a bar. They're looking at the pool area. But on the other side of the coin here, you've got people looking at the inside of a kitchen, if you will, while the barbecuer, aka the cooker, is now looking out at the pool because these people are paying attention to the game that's on the big screen TV that's out there because these places have become destination spaces in people's backyards where everybody wants to go. Oh, yeah. So I guess what I hear you saying is, you got to decide orientation-wise if you're going to face the pool or are you going to face and interact with your guests or if you're going to watch the TV. Or how close you want it to the house. I mean, I think there's, in some cases, some of these structures are being built fairly near the home and in other spaces, that's out away from the house itself quite a bit. So 
it really depends on that whole spatial consideration, which we've talked about a bunch. Kirk talked about it as well when he was on, but that's what we're looking at is we're trying to get a feel for the full backyard and what somebody's trying to do. Yeah, location. So that's what they say it's all about. If it's really close to the house, the cool thing is then you can interact with the indoor kitchen. And so the other is what I call a satellite kitchen. A satellite, we're going to go out, it's a destination into itself. And usually that kitchen has everything in duplicate of what's inside my indoor kitchen. Because I don't want to be running back and forth between those two. Most people don't do the satellite one. Most people do an extension of their, usually it's near the family room, porch area, somewhere close in orientation. That's where actually most of the people I have a tendency to do it with. And especially with these new doors that people are opening up the whole house and they're going out. And so this is just off to the side, maybe sometimes even. The kitchen windows can open up so you can pass through things between the two spaces, which is really cool. But location-wise, I like mine as close as possible because I'm using my indoor space. I don't have a destination kitchen. So anyway. Well, and I think another thing that's going to make the difference is what type of structure is being built. Because as you work and down to the point, we're literally building a room outdoors. And depending on how airlock that is, how it's out and away from everything, you might be putting everything in there. You're right. With these big open doors, we can take these structures and add these huge sliding doors and open those rooms right up to the elements or close them and be completely enclosed, be able to enjoy that space out there for sure. Yeah. So one of the things that's real important in deciding with the kitchen is what type of structure that we're going to put. You know, as you said, some of them are really awesome spaces that they've made it where you can use it almost year round. It's not like when frost hits, you shut down the outdoor kitchen with the uh, capability to have drop screens, which we've talked about those in the past and, and giving you some protection from the wind. Plus they also will hold some heat. So then the great thing is, can we add a heater in, in the ceiling or do something cool like a fireplace? So I was out at one of my jobs last week and I was talking to the homeowner about their drop down screens and he said they get 90% coverage out of these screens. There's very little coming in off these screens. So I think at one point we were talking about air conditioning or at least cooling these rooms. And I had this question about these screens, how much is actually going to stay in? But it sounded to me like they had taken that into consideration was a big part of that outdoor kitchen. And I wasn't involved with the HVAC or the heating portion of it, just in the creative license of putting that kitchen together. And it's a pretty badass kitchen. It's got everything in it. The other thing is with that, now we can cook year round in that space. We've got some heaters up in the ceiling. Now you got to decide when you're creating this space, if you're going to do a gas heater or electric, and we've talked about those in the past and some pros and cons of those, but with the screens, now we can go out there and we can cook all the time. So it's a great environment to hang out in. Now, some people don't have that structure, but you could still create structures in other different ways. Like just a simple umbrella over your kitchen, if it comes down to it, so you can cook out there in the rain. Or even a small pergola, which you can get a little bit of coverage from the sun. I mean, there's obviously many different ways to do this. And it really just depends on how elaborate that kitchen's going to be and how it matches, I guess, the architecture of the home and really what we're doing. But one of the things I've noticed here, and I don't know if it's just because I'm in Texas, but it seems to be a lot more hunters here. A lot more big game guys that go out and they love to bring their game back and get it together and cook it. 
So I'm not really surprised that these kitchens here have worked out the way that they have. Additionally, because the weather here is always changing, as we have found out, I joke to my wife pretty often, just wait five minutes and it'll change, which is what happens. So between the weather and everything else, there's a lot of things to consider. Right. Now, sometimes if you're building a structure, you may want to include some space for your dining in that capacity as well. And we'll touch base on some, maybe that's just simply bar stools associated with your counter, or you may want to set up just a small table for two, you know, a little cafe style, or you may be setting up a table for 10 to 12 people and having Thanksgiving dinner out there. You just got to figure out what dining capabilities you want to can have. And if we can get in before the house is built, I guess when it's, it's first being built and certainly get with the interior designers, which I think is a great idea to get with and have them collaborate with us on these outdoor structures. At the end of the day, we're creating just another element on that property that matches the architecture of the home. They brought everything from the home out to the structure, from the structure back into the house. A great time to get an interior designer involved for sure. Oh yeah. So they really help with one of the things I want to talk about later, which is lighting in the space, which is really nice to have. But one thing also that's nice is if you have some protection, it's going to help all this last a lot longer as well. Your appliances are going to last longer. Your setup's going to work better from a long-term standpoint. That's the thing too. Even with like pool equipment, this happens in Phoenix a lot. And of course it gets really warm here but it's very brutal in the Southwest and it just roasts everything. You know, the pool equipment, after just a few years, you can see it starting to have some challenges, at least visibly. And I think a lot of those are fine, but having some sort of shade structure, even over the pool equipment is really a good idea, especially in these areas where the sun is shining most of the time. So one thing when we're figuring out our outdoor kitchen, we need to get an idea of scale on who you're cooking for. So you know, you could be cooking just for the family or you could be the block party guy or gal. The setup's going to be a lot different depending on if it's for two to four people or if it's for 22 or 24 people, right? Completely. And I'm not a big cooker. I'm not good on the grill to begin with. So I would probably never cook for a big, huge party. And if I did, I don't know that it would turn out that great. But talking to some of the clients that I've had here, I mean, they love to do that. They love to entertain. They love to have many people over. One of the people I've become good friends with, I think their house has three or four different places that they can cook in. They like to cook and entertain. All right, Mike, so I think it's time for the Poolside Perspectives word of the day. And let's go ahead and use Evo as our word of the day. Evo, I'm familiar with Devo. That, that was a band or a church where everybody sits around and sings. So what's an Evo? Where you could whip it good? Yeah, that's that Devo group. Yeah, that is true. That's the Devo group. So explain to people what an Evo is. An Evo is a grill on steroids. It's an awesome grill and it's big. And it's round. Most griddles like your Blackstone is, you know, a rectangular type situation. But this is a round griddle. It's 36 inches across. And it is probably one of the most popular features that's asked to be put in an outdoor kitchen. So Evo's the brand. And it's spelled E-V-O. And around the perimeter of that circle is a oil and drip area. So everything rolls off that. 
because it has this little, as I recall, it has a little bit of a camber to it from the center of it. So stuff, oil, grease will roll off of it. And then you've got a grease trap around the outside of it, unless I'm understanding it the wrong way. That's how it's set up. And the other thing is you don't put it in a standard cabinet. It actually hangs out cantilevers out past your uh, typical counter. That's how it's built mostly. Although some people will actually do a curved portion of the counter underneath it, but it's a really cool feature because you can cook bacon and eggs and pancakes and all of the things you want to griddle. And then you can cook hamburgers and on it. And then you can come in and do hibachi style cooking on it as well. So it's a very popular feature. So awesome word, awesome feature. I'm ready to go eat now. I in Evo in my future. Yes. I think. It will be probably Evos and lighting and kitchens are probably the two most popular things we're going to see more of, I think, this year. But there might be more things. I don't know. It's amazing. They've taken almost everything you can think of inside the house, outside. So you can have a lot of fun. And we'll get pictures of the Evo on the website. So the question of the day that we had is, can you build a outdoor kitchen on a wood deck? And I think the answer is coming earlier. You could, but probably not the greatest idea in the world. It just depends on structurally what's there. It's the same with everything. The foundation of everything is the most critical part of building anything. The foundation is not stable. It can't support whatever it is that's being built. This goes to home construction, pool construction building a grill, building a deck, all that stuff. It is the foundation. And funny because I've seen some pictures online. There's all kinds of websites to look at and you just scratch your head going, why did they just not think of this? And I think that's probably what happens. People just don't think about it. They don't know any better. And your cabinets can weigh all kinds of different things. If you do a stainless steel frame cabinet, that's one weight load versus there's PVC cabinets. That's a different weight load versus you come in and do full masonry and stone, that's a totally different weight load that you're going to put on a wood deck. So it's just something that you would certainly want to make sure that the framing underneath was designed to carry the load that you're going to consider. Almost all the outdoor kitchens I do are set on the ground and have a concrete footing underneath them. And I love wood decks. I like the fact that we work with wood here in Phoenix, it's just not really an option because the sun just really roasts the wood. But growing up in Idaho, owning a construction company in Idaho, framing houses, building houses, we built hundreds and hundreds of decks. Many of them we put hot tubs in. We didn't build them on the deck. We actually recessed them down into the deck so they were on solid footing but, and built a deck around them. But we've got so many more materials to work with here, whether it's a perimeter overflow pool and you're taking grass right into the edge to a pool with concrete or pavers, and you've got deck as an accent, wooden deck as an accent. There's just so many more materials to work with, but each of those materials has a consideration. You want to know what you're working with before you go out and do it. So if you're going to use an outdoor kitchen on a wood deck, you just need to do some research first to make sure it'll handle what you're trying to do. So one thing I forgot to mention when we talked of earlier location, whether it was out or it's close, one thing with it being close is you're going to have to take a lot of utilities out into this space, okay? You're going to have gas, you're going to have electric, you're going to have water, you're going to have sewer. 
if you're doing all kinds of things. Now, if you're not doing a sink or an ice maker, then you probably won't have to have sewer and you probably won't have to have water as well. But generally, almost every kitchen that I deal with, we're going to take gas to it and electricity. But some people choose, instead of using gas, they'll just use a propane tank underneath the grill, which is, is something you can do. It's just going to require more work as you use the appliances. Absolutely. And and certainly in all of the outdoor kitchen areas I've had, which, as I said before, were pretty small, we used a tank. We just kept an extra tank there available when we needed to swap it out. But there's definitely more than one way to do this. And to your point, you know, if you're bringing gas out to the pool equipment because you've got a gas heater, then it's probably going to make sense to run gas out for your gas grill. It just really matters on what we're working with. And we need to understand what that is. Once we get a structure... We're going to put some cabinets into this space. We're going to put some counters into the space. And so one of the things is cabinets are greatly different in different parts of the country. Here, we do a lot of stone cabinets. And the reason we do a lot of stone cabinets is because we pull stone out of the ground in Texas. So it's readily available. And so what we're using is cinder blocks to build the frame of this whole situation. And then we're veneering it in stone. And so it blends with the architecture of the home or we blend it with brick. Everything flows together. But in other parts of the country, they're using a lot of different things. So wood is used in a lot of parts of the country for the framework of these cabinets. However, if you use wood, you got to realize wood is a fire hazard. And so if you're putting something in that's going to be cooking at very high temperatures, there's special things you have to do to protect the wood from burning up and then burning up your outdoor kitchen. There's also stainless steel is a real popular one in a lot of parts of the country. One of the things that's important is the gauge of the steel that you're using. You definitely want to use a 304 or a 316L. So you have a really high quality product and less likelihood that it's going to rust. Yeah. And just to follow up on that, I mean, in Phoenix, most of the time we did it out of CMU block, but I have seen them build, at least the cabinets built out of steel framing, and then they're covered with the type of board that can be finished. And it makes for a really clean inside that structure look, and you can run your cables. You don't have the mess of the mortar and the grout. Honestly, I that much better than the CMU block stuff. But again, it depends on the type of project and, and the, the materials that are going to be available, what customers want. Another product that's similar to precast or prefabricated metal cabinet is Danver. And they really have some amazing stuff, you know, that they do. It's all custom made. So there's lots of options on these outdoor kitchens, depending, of course, on how much you want to spend, what your budget is. Yeah. Danver makes some cool ones. I've used the Brown Jordan on some. Also, John Michaels makes some cabinets. And the amazing thing with those is these are interior-grade products. You can get them powder-coated to be all kinds of different colors. You can get it be powder-coated to be a wood grain. You can get soft-touch closing-type situations. The other thing is a lot of these that are made by these companies or also fully have gaskets all the way around the doors. And so when they shut, they seal. Because one of the things you want to understand is what you're getting is what's the protection going to be. So a lot of cabinets are just their masonry block. When it rains and it's just got a stainless steel door on the front of it, 
when it rains, water gets into that. Okay. Dust can get into it. Term I've used before, varmints can get into it. That's a great point. And that's been the challenge, certainly in Phoenix with the desert mice and all the critters and stuff is they end up inside these cabinets. And not only that, not that we're getting off on a tangent here, but, you know, above ground hot tubs, that's another one, unless they're fully self-contained and they're protected, you know, the varmints get into it and they like to chew on wire and they can create problems. So the ones that are almost like interior grade that you're talking about, they're fantastic for outdoors because they're sealed. But of course they're expensive and you want to have them covered by something. I think you've got to protect that investment and there's many different ways to do it. So once you get the countertop figured out, whether you're going to manufacture it there on site, or if you're going to order a product and have it shipped in, you're going to put a countertop on this cabinet. And so is there a particular countertop that you prefer over others? It really depends on the design. I think some of the granite looks good. The waterfall cabinet style that they're using inside the house. I like those. You can certainly put in a concrete top that can look good. There's plenty of options on that. I mean, we use that Decton stuff, Claffy pools quite a bit, and that stuff is like nearly bulletproof. It's good stuff. Yeah. So that works really well. It resists moisture and UV and scratches. And so it's a very easy to maintain countertop, the Decton. Granite holds up really well. The concrete, I think, doesn't do quite as well. You have to do a lot of sealing with it. We used to use a lot of stone. And we'd use big slabs of stone because, again, we're pulling stone out of the ground here in Texas. But the challenge is most of it's too soft. And even if you seal it, it's going to, over time, not look and hold up very well. I tell people all the time, if you're the type of person that cooks out once a month, okay, a stone countertop may be okay for you. But if you're somebody that's cooking out with a lot more frequency, then you're going to want something that holds up a lot better. And can handle the wear and tear of, and also stay clean because there's a lot of grease and things out there that you're trying to keep off the, the counter. Those are all really valid points for you. Do you have a favorite? What do you like to wear? I like the Decton because there's a, a lot of different appearances with that product. So you can get a lot of different looks, but I'm not opposed to a granite either. And granite is about half the cost of what Decton is, but both of those I would use much more than I would like a stone countertop. And in certain parts of the country, you have people that are more skilled to do certain things. Like in this part of the country, there's not a whole lot of people that do concrete countertops. But I know in California, concrete countertops are the rave. That gets done all the time because they have people that have skills to do it. It just depends on what you're using it for. But I think the worst and I would highly recommend you not to do this is to tile your countertop because then you end up with all the grout joints. It's a real mess over a period of time. That was very popular when there wasn't all these other options. Oh, yes. If we've looked at houses and pools here over the last few months, I mean, I've seen plenty of tiled countertops, indoors and outdoors. Most definitely. So a couple of things with the counter that you may want to do is from an orientation standpoint, when you put all the appliances in, a lot of times people are trying to put all this stuff in the space. You need to leave space between the wall and the appliance and the next appliance so you can plate things. You want to be able to take things off the grill and set a plate down. So you need at least 12 inches from a minimum standpoint 
to transition from appliance to appliance, you also need a good space to do some prep work and some serving. A lot of times I try to put things that go under the cabinet, like a refrigerator and an ice maker and a trash can. I kind of put those in the middle. Then you can have the grill on one end and you can have maybe a sink on the other end or drop in cooler. And that way you've got some prep space in between or a serving situation. Yeah, those are all valid. And with any kitchen, there's a kitchen layout that works really well. But as we were talking about earlier, there's a multitude of different kitchen designs, whether or not it's a galley kitchen, an L-shaped kitchen, kitchen with an open bar area. They're pretty, it's pretty different. The way I try to look at it is how would I lay this out so that it makes the most sense? To, you know, I'm right-handed. Certain things would need to go to the right for me, whereas if somebody's left-handed, might need to go to the left for them. And then if you turn around in that space and area, again, you're not walking a long distance to get to what it is that you need, but you're making maximum good use of all the counter space that you have because you need to have that counter space. One thing also that I really like on my counters is I like a backsplash because I would have things roll off the back and fall on the ground and I'd be chasing things around. Putting a backsplash there, it contains my kitchen instead of it being more mobile. But the other thing is it gives me a spot to put some plugs because I really like to have some electricity so I can plug in some different things as I'm cooking, whether it's a rotisserie for the grill or if it's simply a blender that I'm using out there. Now, if you go for a margarita machine, you got to realize you can't put that into a standard. It has to have its own breaker. So for those people that are really into that, and we'll get into some bar stuff in a minute. That's a really super valid point, Mike, because... Now we got to determine how much power we need out there. And in some cases, depending on the appliances and what you're just talking about, it could be a substantial amount of power. Oh, most definitely. You got appliances and lighting and you want to make sure that you calculate everything out. So one thing that's also important to think about, because we're doing a lot of these kitchens and we're getting a lot of enclosure is, which is really nice from a protection standpoint. But if you're doing that, you want to vent your grill area for sure. So with a hood, so you can get the smoke out of the space and that be as efficient as possible. So that's a really nice feature to have in an outdoor kitchen. I agree. But also in your cabinets, you've got gas or propane in those areas. You need to have ventilation in the cabinets to allow that gas to escape from a safety standpoint. So there's a specification, and I'm not sure exactly what it is, but we have to put so many vents into a cabinet unit that's got a, a gas appliance in it is just from a safety standpoint. Absolutely. So you were touching base on, I've got six different kitchen layouts, okay? The one that's done probably the most popular is what I call just a straight run. We just have a single bank of cabinets, which works really well in a small space. We don't really have a, an efficiency, the golden triangle that we're trying to use here because everything's basically in a line. We've got the grill, we've got some prep space, we've got maybe a fridge and trash can and ice maker, and then maybe a sink or a drop-in cooler. And it's all just in a straight line. Now, if we've got a little bit more space, it's really nice. You take that straight line and you put an island next to it. And now we have a, a galley style kitchens, which is really nice because we can put the island, we can prep over there, but then we're not cooking in everybody's space. And they could also use it for bar stools, the island. And so people can hang out there. So that's a really nice effect. Although 
we're getting some kitchens now that it may be a full kitchen, a U-shaped kitchen that's got an island in the middle of it. So that we're adding lots of space and appliances and people. And so that's a lot of fun. Well, the consideration of course has to be got to have plenty of storage. I think most people like to keep things somewhat picked up and tidied up and having the storage available with all those cabinets makes a lot of sense. Sure. An L-shaped kitchen is probably, I think, the most user-friendly because I can make one leg of the L for cooking and then the other leg of the L can be for my guests. And so we were talking earlier about orientation. Now I can have them where they're facing the TV. I can have an L off to the side so I can interact with them and I can see the TV. And so we might both be able to see the pools and L's a really nice layout. Now, if we do a U-shape, then we could actually have two legs, one for hot for cooking. The other could be cold for a bar and beverages. And then the third one can be for the guests. So that's a really nice layout too. One of the ones I'm getting right now has four sides on it. So and you oh. just come in from one spot and you're just completely wrapped around the whole kitchen. It's pretty neat. It's what I call a G-shaped kitchen. Because you've got a little opening that you can step into it and you're in your space. And what's nice with those is usually two or three people can be actually, one can be prepping drinks and a couple of people can be serving and cooking and it gives you more space. And those are usually really large kitchens. So is that the one you did at PK? No, this one's in Flower Mound and it's pretty oh, good yes. size under a really nice big patio cover with screens on it. It's directly attached to the house so they can get in and out. And the room it's attached to is like an entertainment room. So it just makes for a nice transition out of the house into the kitchen area, out to the pool area, which is relatively close to the house too. We've tucked it all in. So it's essentially just part of the whole property. That's beautiful. Probably going to be a great place to entertain. When you've got this grill area, one thing is underneath the grill, you're going to have some doors because you have to have a shutoff valve underneath the grill, whether it goes to the propane tank or it goes to the gas line, you have to be able to go in and shut that on and off. Usually there's a set of doors underneath. Now and then somebody wants to do a refrigerator there and they want to be able to just open the refrigerator up, get the meat, just put it up on the grill. And so you have to do that shutoff a little bit different, but usually there's a set of doors underneath there, at least with most of the ones that I'm doing. The next thing to think about is there's all kinds of appliances that we can put in an outdoor kitchen. Like you said, when I first started, it was the grill and a fridge and a trash can. So one of the things when I first started, I didn't realize there were outdoor rated fridges and non-outdoor rated fridges. An outdoor-rated fridge costs a lot more, but they're designed to be outside. But I've had some clients that say, hey, I'll get an indoor-rated fridge and I'll replace it two or three times, and I'd rather do that than pay the money for an outdoor-rated fridge. Everybody's different on that call. But here in Texas, the outdoor-rated fridge is nice because they have to be able to handle the heat. But the biggest thing that I've found that the fridges have problems with is the cold. They're not designed to deal with nine degrees like last night outside. One thing that I've had people do is if they winterize their kitchen is that they actually take the fridge out and put it like in the garage or something like that because it'll actually last longer. Well, and to the point about, you know, the heating and cooling of these structures too. I mean, 
in some of these projects, they're so big, they're so massive. The scale of them is just big. And a lot of those probably do have the heating and air conditioning capability in those areas. But you're right. I mean, you're right on target there, especially, you know, we're talking about freezing lines and everything else. You do need to winterize it. So it's a definitely a consideration. So when we cook, it used to be just a grill. Now we cook on a lot of different things. So I was amazed. I was making a list up of all the different things I put into kitchens now that we cook on. Do you have a favorite of your clients? I have a new favorite. And, you know, when my kids were growing up, we went to the hibachi grills quite a bit because they love to have the guys cooking the food and making the volcanoes and flipping shrimp at them and catching them in their mouth. So Evo Grill is definitely my favorite. It is my favorite. And if I was to have one, that's what I would have. That griddle, it's 36 inches in diameter. It is a round griddle, which is really cool. I've installed several of those and everybody, when they first think about it, they're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. And then we put them in and they are a phenomenal thing. So we were talking about trends a couple of weeks ago. That's Trey's favorite thing in the outdoor kitchen because he wants to cook breakfast on it. And then he said, I can cook lunch on it and then I can cook dinner on it. You know, it works for all day long. So it's a great appliance. I was going to have two things. I would have an Evo and I'd probably have a, a big green egg. And for me, at least, that would probably be more than I would ever use, but definitely would use them. Yeah. And with the, I'm going to call them a Komodo style cooker, the green egg is by the most popular, but you got the Komodo Joe, which is red. You got the Primo that's black. It's funny that they all have their individual colors to this situation. So they're a really cool appliance for cooking on. And the advantage of those is you can control your temperatures from real low heat, 250 degrees to you can get, I've cooked stuff over 700, but you can even get it higher than that. But you can grill on it. You can bake on it. It's pretty amazing. In fact, to me, it used to be the pizza oven. A lot of people were like, I don't want to get a pizza oven and pay that much for it. And so they would use their egg or the Primo Komodo Joe to cook their pizzas on. But the pizza oven has gotten a lot more popular here lately. I've installed a lot of those. Yeah, the pizza oven are pretty, pretty amazing. And I love pizza. Yeah, who doesn't love pizza? And the other thing is, it's an oven. So you can use it to cook your vegetables. You can use it for a lot of different things besides pizza, just like the green egg can be used for multiple things. You want to set up a space so you've got a grill, you can do a griddle, you can do a Komodo Joe, but I have a lot of people now that also just simply want a side burner out there as well because they want to put a pot on and cook some different things in that space as well. And then you've got the hybrid, the pellet grill, which is going to be augmenting pellets automatically with you. And you, the cool thing is now we're getting into real tech because you can program your pellet grill to do this and send you a message when your brisket's done. You can do everything over your phone. It's really crazy how technology's changed a lot of these things. So like you're talking like a Memphis grill, it's a pellet grill that you have an app on your phone to help you cook and do different things. The reality is, I mean, even look at the indoor kitchens. Now the refrigerator will tell you what you're missing. It just goes on and on. And I find myself scratching my head much of the time as I'm doing now. 
just because I can't seem to keep up with the technology of everything. And I don't know that's really important. I mean, there's just constantly new stuff out there and it's fun. It's neat. Yeah. And quite honestly, you can just get a Weber charcoal grill and you can cook out on that and have a great time. Set your table up and you've got an outdoor kitchen, so it doesn't have to be. Have you had anybody ask you about smokers? You know, you've got your smokers, your big drum smokers, and then a lot of people consider a Komodo style grill also as a smoker. So, I mean, I can smoke ribs on my big green egg. It just, that takes hours versus something shorter grilling a ribeye, which only takes eight minutes. But yes, smokers are definitely a pop. Well, I'm a novice at all of that. And I'm just curious if you could smoke beef jerky with that sort of thing or venison jerky, or do you need to have a special type of smoker for that? I mean, I'm telling you, I don't know anything about that. So I was curious really if, if you had clients that have actually specifically wanted a real smoker in their kitchen because the dad or the mom or whomever loves to go hunting and bring their game back and cook it and make jerky. My brother-in-law was that way and he did it all the time. That was 20 years ago. Right. So I just did a kitchen recently that we put a smoker. We did a an L-shaped kitchen and then the back corner was a spot for the smoker. So it was a little bit out of the way. So the smoke that goes with the smoker was not going to be in the way of everybody. But yes, smokers definitely get used for cooking all kinds of great things. So after you figured out all the things you're going to cook, now we've got the bars and the sink and all the things that go with that. Oh, I did forget one thing. A lot of times people also want to incorporate a warming drawer as they're cooking, especially for large groups, that they can set the food in there and keep it warm as they're rotating through cooking everything. So that's a really nice thing to have. Although, have you had somebody ask for a microwave? I have never had anyone ask for a microwave. That's interesting. It's kind of funny building big exotic kitchen outdoors and, and put a microwave, but I could see where having a microwave might be convenient out there. It's nice to heat up your hot chocolate or make your popcorn, although a lot of people like to pop that over the fire. Once we get into the cool stuff, as you mentioned, the fridge, that's what a lot of people started with. And then the next thing people moved on to was an ice maker. Now, ice makers are hard to do, especially here in Texas. A lot of them don't work real well because it, it gets hot. But one thing I didn't realize when I did my first ice maker is a lot of cities require that to drain into the sewer. Makes sense. And so I knew that with a sink, but the ice maker, it's like, what water are you getting rid of? It's just a little melting ice. What's the big deal? But that's the city requirement is you had to have that tied into the sewer. So something to think about. There's nothing like that shaved ice or that little small ice. I know that we have one out in the display area, Claffy, and my wife loves that kind of ice. Oh, yeah. So you can get top hat ice, you can get sonic ice. There's different types of ice that you can get with that. So along with that, the refrigerator, a lot of people want a wine fridge or a beverage fridge just in itself, separate from the, everything else. Or some people want use a drop-in cooler with a beverage station where they can mix up drinks and everything along those lines. And then I just installed another one here recently is some people want a kegerator. 
so we can just, we can have beer on tap and wine in the fridge. So we got everything covered. Well, if you're entertaining, that makes sense. Oh yeah. Once we've got the drinks, we've got the food cooking, we want to just hang back and relax. But most of these things occurred day and night. I should step back before I get into lighting. So I really didn't mention the sink. We got everything but the kitchen sink. The sink is a very popular ask. I have a lot of people that ask for sinks. How about you? Absolutely. I don't think a lot of people understand everything that you have to do to get a sink. And therefore, the cost of sink are quite high because, again, we got water and then we got to get the water to leave and that takes it to the sewer. Then the other thing is a lot of times we can't tie them into the house sewer. And so we have to do a separate sewer system to get everything out for our sink. And there's a lot of things that go into the sink. And so a lot of times people are like, I didn't realize the sink was going to cost thousands and thousands of dollars. So just give me some paper towels. Yeah, which it does. I mean, I think it's pretty easy for someone to go to Home Depot or Costco and look at a sink and go, that would be really cool to have out of my outdoor kitchen and thinking it's not going to cost a fortune. But the reality is we have to tie into the sewer. And if your, your sewer cleanouts are hundreds of feet away or uphill, now you're talking about a grinding station. It starts getting expensive. And then now that has to be winterized as well, because it's possibility of water freezing in pipes is a problem. Certainly. But if you get the sink, you want to think about how you're going to use it, because you may want just a small sink, but you may want to put a nice size sink in or a double sink. So once you've gone to the sink route, you can go all out. That's for sure. Yeah, certainly once you make the decision to spend the money on the sewer setup, the bring the water out. Certainly, if you're going to have warm water, you've got a hot water tank. Yeah, it's a sizable investment. But yeah, then you could put just about any kind of sink that you want in. Once we get the cabinet set up and we've got the counter, we've got the appliances, we've got a structure, we need to light this place up. So we need some outdoor lighting in the space. And this is where working with interior designers, they can come up with some really nice features that can be incorporated bring the style, the inside and out. I've had chandeliers set in my outdoor kitchen. We've done pennant lighting in outdoor kitchen. But the first thing is, as you walk up to it, you want to have it well lit to get there. And so you want to have some walkway lights, especially if you're changing elevations up or down so people can safely walk out to the kitchen. But have you seen those LED lights that a lot of people are putting in kitchens now? Yes, I like them. And lighting is a big deal. It really is. It just creates so much ambiance and feelings and it just makes us feel good. I like low lit stuff where it's not so obvious. I'm not really a big fan of bright lights, but with the amount of product that we have to work with now, we can really create some amazing things. The LED lights, I think you can get the strip lights that go under the cabinets. They can light up the countertops. Yeah, well, there's so many places to tuck lights in to make it look really cool in the space. And I think it is probably the biggest thing that you're going to see in kitchens that change in the next couple of years is how the lighting's done for that space and to make it really look amazing from inside that space or your outside in your home looking out at the kitchen. Completely. I think lighting is going to be a really big deal here going forward. Certainly bigger than it has been because there's just so much product available. And it's the industry as a whole has made a lot of strides in the type of lighting that we have available at our disposal. Going back to the 
fiber optic lighting and then the LED lighting. And now we've got PAL lighting and we've got so much to work with. You can go real old school too and just light up the fireplace. That's true. That gives a really cozy feel. We were talking about that with the, what's that word? It is something you can simply light a fireplace and light some candles in the space and you can get a really cozy ambiance going in the space. And like you said, not having a whole lot of bright lights is something that you don't want to light it up where you can see it from outer space, but it does have some real appeal with some subtle lighting in the space. Yeah. It's funny that you brought up the outer space thing because my go-to very often was, do you like your lighting subtle or do you want the aliens to know that you have a really beautiful backyard and they can find you? But yeah, never made a little bit different. You got to ask questions. So a lot of people have elevation changes and they have a wood deck. And so the questions come up with me, can I build my kitchen on my wood deck versus on the ground? I know that it can be done, but you got to realize when you have a wood deck that's already there, the weight of a lot of these appliances and counters and everything that are going in you don't know if the beams underneath that structure were designed to handle that kind of load, unless you're building the wood deck and building the kitchen at the same time. So that's something you want to be very aware of when you put your outdoor kitchen in is to have a very stable foundation for it. So most of the ones that we do are on a patio surface, but even with that, we're coming in with a lot of, especially with masonry, we're coming in and doing a like an eight inch footing to support masonry that we're building in that space. But you want to be careful not to do something and set it up and not know the structure that you're building on. Something to think about. It's a great consideration. It's almost like somebody taking the above ground hot tub and dumping it out on a deck without taking into consideration the loading of the hot tub itself. The foundation of everything is absolutely critical. And that's part of our message and why we're trying to get in so much earlier with people planning a home, remodeling a home or whatever else. It's just really key that we can get in there and get a look on things and help you. That's what we want to do. One thing that's really cool to have near the kitchen, if it's possible and you're into this type of situation is it's really cool to have an herb or a vegetable garden there so that you can go out into that space and pick some of the stuff that you're actually going to cook. And it's about as fresh as it can be right off the stock. And it can be raised beds are really nice, but I've also had some clients use some containers just to put some simple stuff in so they could have some fresh herbs there to cook with. I like that idea a lot. Oh, but also the smell of fresh herbs is just really cool. Really enjoy that from a space standpoint. Okay. One thing we haven't really talked about, but it's essential with a lot of outdoor kitchens is a TV. Everybody needs TV. We like to be entertained while we're uh, out there cooking. And even if we're out there cooking by ourselves and we don't have guests, it's nice to have something that we can watch. I'm a sports fanatic, so I'll, I'll have sports on all the time. But yeah, absolutely. And even a cooking show while you're out there cooking. I mean, there's all kinds of things for sure. Yeah, I could get my YouTube video going and see how to cook my... And you talk about my parents divorced when I was a kid. So I was raised by my mom. My mom did not cook outside. And this industry, until about five or six years ago, maybe it was a little bit longer than that, I had clients all the time who were like, what's your preference? You grill 
or a big green egg person. And I'd be sitting there, this is what's popular. And I never answered the question because I didn't do either one. And my initial foray into outdoor cooking is one day I went on to Craigslist and bought me a used egg and brought it home. And I didn't have an earthly idea what to do, but hey, just turned on YouTube, searched it out, and figured out how to cook things. And so it's been quite a journey. And my wife is like, yeah, the stuff you cook is quite edible now. Initially, there were some challenges. I didn't realize that, that you had to calibrate the, the thermometer that was in it occasionally. A lot of the stuff was very well done at the very beginning. YouTube is great on all of those kinds of things. And for so many other things too, you know, one of the things that I'm doing at our new place is I've got to build a bar in a room in there that was built to have a bar because they're taking the bar with them. I got on YouTube and looked up custom bars and Lo and behold, there's dozens and dozens of guys that are woodworking guys or fabricators of one sort or another building these pretty incredible bars for inside, you know, and there's lots of things they do that I'm thinking, yeah, we need to think about that for the outdoor kitchens as well. One of them was the lighting under cabinet lighting and some of that stuff that helps set a mood in there. But there's amazing stuff on YouTube. You have a great YouTube channel. Yeah, there's even some cooking information on there. So One thing it's nice to have in the outdoor kitchen, too, is some privacy. I don't want to cook and hang out and entertain all my neighbors too much, at least if they weren't invited over. So, you know, if you have some need for privacy, sometimes that's just some shrubbery that give it to you. But also sometimes we've created some privacy walls on certain sides that would also serve as wind protection, which is really important in the winter. We like the wind to blow through in the summer, but protect it from the winter. So got to block that northwest wind these times of the year, especially. Not only that point earlier when you were talking about orientation, that's yet another thing that needs to be taken into consideration because you might need to orientate this structure and this outdoor kitchen to facilitate what Mike was just talking about, the wind, the noise, the privacy. That's been a big difference here. And I talked about it before. In Phoenix, literally every single home has a block wall around it. You have a very private backyard unless you have a two-story house looking down at you. Here, as I've said, I'm just almost shocked at the, some of these homes that are just huge and beautiful and amazing in every way possible, but it's open and all the neighbors can see right into your backyard. So the consideration of where that structure is going to be, that outdoor kitchen is going to be, can serve a multitude of purposes. Yes, privacy being one of them. So one of the things I found that was really interesting when I started looking up the information on the kitchens was the return on investment they claimed was as high as 200%. Makes sense because a kitchen remodel will get you a lot of your money back as well. Kitchen and bathroom remodels inside a house are, you know, some of the best things to do to a home. That makes perfect sense to me. So they were saying that what it does is you've increased the square footage of your living space. And you've done that, plus you've created another room in essence, or rooms that you can use all the time. The demand for outdoor kitchens is the number one outdoor project by far. So higher than any other feature that you can put into your backyard. Now, some people, it might be simple. It might be, I want to create a space out here. I'm going to go buy myself an umbrella and I'm going to get a Weber grill and I'm going to get me a table and I'm a young person. And I wished I had done that when I was in my twenties. 
I waited until I was in my 50s before I started cooking and entertaining outside. And to your point, I think that if you're going to gain the value back, it, it has to be commensurate with the property. You're not going to have a $500,000 home with a $400,000 backyard unless maybe somebody's just going to stay there. There's some certainly some things to consider, but now I've been real estate for a lot of years. Heather's in real estate. We see this stuff all the time. You know, I pay very close attention to all of that. And the reality is, yeah, it does add money to the value of the homes. And I've always struggled a little bit, even when we're talking about pools, people will say, you're only going to get 50% of the value of a pool back if you put it in. And that hasn't happened with me. In every case, every pool and backyard we built, we've gotten all of our money back out of it. Additionally, it needs to be somewhat commensurate with the house. If you underdo it, that can be a problem. If you overdo it, that can be a problem. So I think bringing your team in, you know, whether it's the pool designers, the interior designers, the lighting specialists, all these specialists, so we can work together to help provide a solution to your specific problem just makes the most sense. So the cool thing is this is going to be built in your backyard. It's a custom project. So one of the things you want to do is get with someone that's actually going to think about all these features before you start it down to your counter heights, how tall is your backsplash need to be, how tall is your bar or need to be. Because I have certain clients that are all real tall. And so we make things a little bit taller. And I've got clients that are all real short. And so we've designed for that as well. It's a custom situation that you're going to build and create in your backyard. So you want to get someone that has knowledge of all these things and make you think about it. We're going to have a new segment that's going to come up and we're going to start recording about very specific appliances that you can use in your outdoor kitchen. So we're going to go and film on site and go through a whole lot of different things and look at pros and cons and costs of those. And we'll probably be including a snippet of in each episode of a different feature that we're going to be looking at. So we're going to cover this over the next several months. It's going to take months because there's over 25 different things that we're going to talk about. It's going to add a lot so you can get an idea because in some parts of the country, there's people that don't have that knowledge that can share with you. And we do have a lot of people that are very good here that can do that. And sometimes you're just looking at on the internet. I don't know which one's better. It's hard to tell. So we're going to get you some expert help on all these features so you can make the best decisions for you. Looking forward to doing that for sure. That's going to be a good time. Well, hopefully we'll get to test some food out while we're doing it. So it'll be tasty as well. Okay. Well, I think a lot of the stuff that pertains to outdoor kitchens, you know, would have been covered in outdoor structures. We're talking about flooring and ambiance out there. And I think the focus of this particular episode is really just on the kitchen layout, where it's at, you know, and what things you can do to make it better, what things you shouldn't do, as well as the prep type stuff that you have to do in the wintertime, because it definitely makes a difference here and, and in many other parts of the country. If you're not out Watching the TV, the other thing you may want to have near your outdoor kitchen, you're going to want to have some dining space there, but you also may want to have some type of wow feature that people can really enjoy. And that could be a fire feature of some sort. It could be a water feature. It could be something cool with lighting, but something that you can sit there and, you know, enjoy the view, whether it's daytime or night in this space. But 
the TV probably holds uh, a lot of people's attention in that aspect. So not a doubt. Also, when we we're talking about lighting, one thing that's really cool that you may want to add is lighting for the different tasks that you're going to do there. You've got some lighting for safety to walk up and make sure we don't have steps or anything. But the other thing is there's lighting for creating mood. And we talked about candles in the fireplace, but also you may want to do something like string lights are really popular in an outdoor space. Or the other thing that's uh, gaining a lot of popularity is uh, there's a lot of different lanterns that are available that are gas lanterns that make some really cool space as well. Yes, there are lots of them. It's a lot to consider. There's a lot of planning that goes into this. This is Mike Farley. I think we've covered Outdoor Kitchen. I'm ready to go outside and cook. I've got some pork chops to put on my big green egg actually tonight. So I'm ready to go after that. So hopefully you can create a space where you can really enjoy with your friends and family, enjoy the outdoor air, have a relaxed setting, and you're going to have a lot of fun and you're going to make a lot of memories. And that's what this is all about is hopefully this will give you some guidance. So as you create this space, it'll all be good memories. And we'll look forward to talking to you soon. Now, one thing for sure, there's questions. I need questions sent to us on Instagram. You can send questions to us on YouTube. Uh, You can send questions to us on the website. Please send us the questions and we would love to answer your questions and give you credit for the uh, thoughts that you've put into those. The other thing is, it would be extremely helpful if you could go on to Apple and give us a review and five stars work great, or even a written review. Those are helpful as possible for more people to find this podcast, but we're trying to provide stuff, whether it's warm, cold, or hot, we're ready to uh, give you the information. So you guys have a great evening. Thank you so much for your time. I'll take care. Thanks, everybody. This show is all about helping you become a better buyer, a better pool owner, and hopefully you're going to find some insights into how to enjoy your pool even more so, how to help your friends, your family, anybody looking to buy a pool in the future or that want to remodel their backyard, add an outdoor fireplace, fire pit, add an outdoor kitchen area, add some shade cells or whatever else it is. We want to be that resource for you. And that's the end goal here. And we promise that there's going to be a ton of information. We'll try to go through it, you know, as relatively quickly, but also slow so people can understand. But the intent of the show, the reason Mike and I are doing this is because we just got a lot in our heads and we want to share it. So we hope to see you here every single week. Thanks for listening.